welcome back to Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso, and it is good to be back with you listeners. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for downloading the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, you know I, I know most of you are, but uh, I just want to let you know that Liberty Lounge is going to become its own podcast channel very soon. Please look for that and subscribe when that comes out. I'm working on some branding. I'm excited to show you. And uh, other than that, yes, I'm a bit late coming to you. We're trying to get Liberty Lounge out on the first of the month. We've been moving around a little bit here in Ontario, and um, we are we're back here now. And I'm not going to do my usual monologue today. I'm just sitting in a room alone with Michael Thiessen, and uh, he's with me today. So we're, we're going to get right into some topics here um, as opposed to my, my regular monologue, but I'll come back with that later. But uh, it's, I'm, with, I'm with Mike today, and it's good to be with you, Mike. Yeah, Tim, what a ple- pleasure it is to be in the same room. We're, we're podcasting here. Uh, your monologues are a treat. So everybody, you need to know that the reason why uh, the format of the show is a little bit different is it, we're almost at an open mic here where uh, Tim's just done a lot of deep dive into the political philosophy of Pierre Trudeau and I'm coming along for the ride. So sit back and enjoy um, this really great information that we're about to get into. Thanks, Mike. Um, As you said, yeah, I've been looking at uh, Justin or Pierre Trudeau and just to give you a bit of background, uh, why I decided to do this now. Um, obviously, Pierre Elliott Trudeau is no longer our prime minister, but his son is. And um, the, presumably I, his son. <laughs> I like, was waiting. I left some space there because I know sorry. a lot of our a lot of our listeners' eyebrows just went up like a little. I don't know, yeah. man. And let's just leave it at this. His legal son. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> his namesake. Yes. Oh, and his uh, his young protege as well. Um, so I, I, just as background, I've been working on a project um, these last two months, um, a project called Antichrist and His Ruin. It's a documentary that has come out, and some of you have seen the trailer. And I'm just going to run that trailer right now just for you to see it. Johnson and Talbot. Trinity Bible Chapel, three minutes and 30 seconds. In partnership Bond with JKB Productions. Antichrist must be destroyed because he hath set himself against the Son of God. John Bunyan, 1628-1688. No place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. When it becomes public, this is a different matter. The small fringe minority holding unacceptable uh, views. After James Coates was arrested and sent to prison a couple of weeks ago in Canada. are, Are you Canadian? I am Canadian, yes. So you grew up in the country. Do you recognize it now? This is definitely not the nation that I grew up in.
so having looked at that, uh, this is just a teaser. Uh, the full trailer is coming out this fall, and this is a movie, that, uh, a documentary that I've been working on. Um, and when you look at what's gone on the last two years, um, and when, when and, and when I see uh, what what has happened and how we got here, the response to it actually has to be a lot deeper than you know where did we go wrong with the health protocols. And what I'm learning and what I'm sort of gleaning as I'm working on this documentary is is the profound impact that actually Pierre Elliott Trudeau did have on the trajectory of this country. And if you're under 40, like myself, I think it's very easy to underestimate the the profound changes that he wrought in this country. And so I wanted to look at some of the, in his own writings, I want to bring you the, the political philosophy of Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And it's not going to be like a dry lecture, because what we're going to do is interact with some of his quotes. And we're going to look at how the fruition of those philosophies has come to be in, in, in the present context. And then, and since we've been late, and I do want to make it up to you, my dear listener, is we're going to do a two-part episode here. We're going to respond actually to our beloved colleague, Andrew Bartolo, who released an episode on Liberty Dispatch a, a couple weeks back on the call to remain in Canada. And so we want to respond to that. Um, many of you were angry about that. And uh, Andrew received your emails and uh, we got some texts and calls because this is people are wrestling with us. Absolutely. And we, by the way, I love the fact that, you know, you and I have handed off Liberty Dispatch to Andrew and Matt. They're doing a fantastic job. Absolutely. It's their show. Uh, they, they get to say what they want and they get to make the calls that they want. And I, I love that Andrew is calling people to stay in Canada. Uh, that being said, um, we're going to respond and have a little bit of fun with it anyways. So uh, that's right. D-Bart's so, definitely going to beg to come back on another, like in the middle of another lounge. Yeah. D-Bartolo will literally go completely rogue in whatever subject matter you've created. That's right. And he will bring up the fact that we responded to him when he wasn't in the room. That's it's right. Going to that's be true. A gem. Very so, unfair. That'll be fun. So this will create a lot like, of great he content. He shot the first five, like he went across the bow. And so we're kind of putting a little bit of a, a, a missile into the side of the boat. And then he's going to go nuclear on the third one. Which, so, yeah, they say controversy is great for ratings. So um, I know. I, but honestly, we think that these two topics tie ins. They dovetail so well when you look at the political philosophy of the last 50 years and what has happened in Canada, which is an undeniable shift in our cultural trajectory and the, and the quality and fabric of our culture. And then. The fact that it's causing a bit of an exodus from this country. And so we're going to talk about that in our second episode, which will come out in a couple days. Um, but I want to dive into Pierre Elliott Trudeau. I picked up this book actually on my dad's uh, bookshelf. It's called The Essential Trudeau, edited by Ron Graham. And I thought it was kind of a, uh, a commentary, but it's not. Uh, Ron Graham says, my role as editor was to go through Trudeau's writings and speeches, extract the essence from them, and order them according to theme, logic, and number. In almost every case, they have been left as they appeared in the original or in the authorized translation. Of course, many of that was in French. But just as Trudeau has been given the rarest of things, a second chance uh, to, as a politician, so he was given a chance as a writer. And so I, what I've done is gone through some of the themes of, of his political writings. And we just want to respond to them. We want to share them with you. And we want to respond to them and kind of show how, where they fit in with today's culture and how they have taken root. So I want to look at his premises. Everybody comes to every subject with a, a, a set of presuppositions and a, a set of commitments, a set of formal commitments. So we want to look at his commitments. We want to look at his ideals, how he describes the ideals of a society. I want to look at his methods. 
for achieving those ideals. And I want to look at a little bit at um, his legacy, which which is probably going to be how we transition to that second conversation about uh, whether or not to stay in Canada. So I'm tipping my cards a little bit in terms of what his legacy is. It's a country that a lot of people want to leave. Um, but I, let's dive in. I, I want to look at his premises. And so I've only, and this is not going to be exhaustive. This is just, just a cursory look at, at what was, what is dear to our, um, one of the most famous prime ministers in Canadian history, at least in modern history, at least in the last 75 years, he's certainly probably one of the most memorable, charismatic, um, sort of a media darling, if you will. So I want to look at his, a couple of his premises because he spoke of Liberty. Okay. And, and actually it, it's a, it's a phrase that we don't hear as often in Canada anymore is Liberty as being one of the core commitments or values of, of the country. But this was central to Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And if you don't know, Pierre Elliott Trudeau did come to power in the late sixties. Okay. He was, um, he was in the cabinet for, uh, sorry, uh, Jean, um, Jean Chrétien, who many of us know if you're about my age, he was prime minister when I sort of came of age. Uh, Jean Chrétien served in the Trudeau cabinet. So there's a lot of liberal connections there. And um, he came to power in the late 60s. He was the uh, cabinet minister for justice. Before that, he introduced the famous omnibus bill, which you're going to learn a lot about in Antichrist in his ruin. But let's look at one of the premises for liberty that Trudeau asserted. And that is that liberty the concept of liberty, one of its first and preeminent fruits is change or alteration. This is one of, for him, this is the preeminent sign of liberty. He says, and I'm going to quote this and then Mike, I want you to just respond cold to this because we haven't talked through the, how you feel about this. So I just want to get your cold reaction. Pierre Elliott Trudeau says the first visible effect of freedom is change. A free man exercises his freedom by altering himself and his surroundings. It follows that no liberal can be other than receptive to change and highly positive in his response to it. A liberal tends to be a reformer, attempting to move society, modify its institutions, liberate its citizens. I like to say that a liberal is on the left, but no farther. Okay, so this is one of the preeminent commitments of our prime minister, uh, our former prime minister. So the first fruit of liberation or liberty is change. Mike, what are your initial thoughts when you hear that quote? And there's, there's a lot going on in there, but what are your first thoughts? I, I have two initial thoughts. Uh, the first thought is I want to say change from what? Yeah. So, um, it's, you know, it, it's one thing to say, um, to take this other context of the idea of liberty, but you, you just go into like leadership. Often a leader comes into a situation. There are problems that need to be addressed and a good leader changes course of the organization. Now, again, that has nothing to do with the idea of freedom. Um, someone could walk into a prison and the problem could be that there are too many prisoners getting out of jail. And so the change, of course, are measures that then restrict, um, you know, shore up the deficiencies at the fence. You have, you know... Uh, oh, you mean physically escaping, not that their sentences are ending. You're saying right, right. They're like, escaping. Like, like, yeah. I'm, I'm simply saying that... Fix that the fence. The, yeah. the concept of a leader needing to bring change to a situation has nothing to do with liberty. 
it, it has to do with leadership. And right. so you're, hmm. you've, you've got a confusion of categories, which leads me to my second, second thought. And it's like, well, that's where Justin gets this from, where he, he's speaking a lot about nothing. So, hmm. um, no liberal can, um, can be other than positive in his response to change. I think that's a very telling like, and again, that's just incorrect. If, if, if the change that is occurring in culture is authoritarianism, right. Then that has nothing to do with Liberty. So going just, let me just finish with the metaphor of the prison, right? So he's saying it's one thing, but it's really another thing. So Liberty, if he were to say this, um, Liberty um, has to do like freedom is change from oppression or from is change from uh, I don't I don't even know corruption what, any any change, yeah there, thank you change yeah. from corruption change from uh, deficiency again I think it's just a, a confusion of categories I'm, I'm just gonna go back and say. If he was talking about leadership, I could agree. If he said the visible effect of leadership is change. Mm. Okay. I'll, okay. A free, you know, a, yep. a leader exercises leadership by altering himself and his surroundings. It follows that no leader can be other than receptive to change and highly positive in his response okay. to it. Like it's a, it, he's just used the word freedom in change of, li of leadership, which is exactly which is exactly the problem because what he's saying is freedom is actually meaningless. Right. All the liberal is concerned about is bringing about change through leadership. Right. Sorry. Right. Freedom right. is meaningless. The liberal is concerned with change, whether or not it has anything to do with freedom. That's what he's actually saying there. That's something I hadn't thought of at all, Mike. And I and I really meditated on these and thought, what where is this coming from, and 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 sort of what what could be the repercussions of it. I hadn't thought of that, and I appreciate you bringing that out. What I noticed primarily about it is that it, it change is like change is is the difference over time. It is a it, change in and of itself is a neutral concept. I mean, a, a tree grows, and that is change, and and the way you would describe the change in terms of whether it's positive or negative is the fruit of the change. So you would say if an acorn goes into the ground and it changes into an oak tree and then provides shade and shelter and beauty, you would say it's a positive change. When a bolt of lightning strikes the oak tree and it shatters into a million pieces and causes a forest fire, well, you wouldn't say, well, that, that too is positive change. Unless your metric is, I just don't want the oak tree to be there anymore. I just want change for the sake of change. This, this type of, um, this type of articulation of freedom is highly suspect because it is not connected with any metric that is morally grounded. So change for the sake of change. I mean, if I take this beautiful book that's sitting in this beautifully bound Bible or one of right. these hardcover books and it's sitting nicely on a coffee table and I throw it hard across the room and it hits the wall and, and bends the pages and shatters the binding. Uh, that's change. 
but what is the moral grounding of the metric by which I evaluate whether or not the change was positive? And, and this is where Elliot Trudeau was is totally unhinged from any type of what we would call a ground principle, a commitment to something that is a bigger vision than has it changed. So you take your thought and my thought mesh them together and what you're dealing with, okay, whether or not he's got his categories mixed up here or he's just actually speaking gobbledygook because he doesn't know what freedom is, change is change and leadership are structure. Mm-hmm. Where are they going? Right. What's what the direction? To say, what's the direction? What's the direction. Yes. And so the direction of change and leadership from what he's saying there could be and have nothing to do with freedom or they right. might have to do with freedom, but it certainly is not freedom. The visible effect of freedom is change. That is not a true statement. I, the, vis- the visible effect of freedom is people living free lives constrained only by the rule of law and people right. are free to open up their businesses to own property the, right. right yes so right? this is exactly where i was going was then so he says the visible effect of freedom is that a man changes himself and his surroundings is freedom then in the eyes of a true liberal not also the freedom to conserve what he has if a man has tilled his garden and enjoys it and 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 it, and he likes the crop and the crop works well in the in the climate that he's in does he not have freedom to maintain well not in a the status quo world of course you've no. got to limit you've got to limit your your uh, your fertilizer D- your like, fertilizer the farmers that, exactly. are not free it's to working. continue to do what's working it's working but change is needed because you're not a progressive politician unless you are changing something. And, and oh, let's look at fertilizer laws. Let's add some fertilizer laws here. And, and you look at the size of the public sector has grown just hundreds of percents in, in since even since COVID began. Uh, because the government, because Justin Trudeau is an extension of his father's policies, which is we must change. And if the government is going to have the power to change, they're going to need to have paid bureaucrats to go in and examine the status quo and then introduce changes to that. And and one of his first uh, press conferences as the newly elected prime minister, he, he perfectly crystallized this concept when the reporter asked, um, Prime Minister Trudeau, why was it so important for your cabinet to have 50% men and 50% women? What was his answer? It's 2015. In other words, it was time to change something. Who knows if it's positive, negative, or indifferent? It doesn't matter. Who we cares just, about the, the qualities of those e- individuals as no, long as that because quote the, is made? Because there's, he's being consistent with his father's yeah. philosophy, which is there is no metric other than is it different from before, which is why progressive policies actually travel so quickly. Because if you're seen to be holding on to a system that works, mm, then you might be considered conservative. Well, if you happen to have read this book, whether or not you understood or misunderstood this paragraph, you'd be walking around going, we can't conserve. We have to change because otherwise, how will I know if I'm a liberal freedom? Freedom is change. Yep. According to this philosophy. And I want to say one more thing about this quote, and I'm going to give you just ability to respond to that. He says a liberal needs to be, tends to be a reformer. And this, listen to this attempting to quote, move society, modify its institutions and liberate 
its citizens. So the work of progressive politics then is to discover areas of restraint and liberate them, which is interesting because the the conservative view of government is that uh, man needs to be only restrained by the law of righteousness and justice, the God's law, and that all else is permissible. So the ability to start a business, cultivate a field, exchange, you know, property for a profit, what the need for liberty to be liberated from the past has become a pariah has become a cancer that is actually out of control in our society because we're trying to liberate ourselves from liberty itself. The, the men and women, well, mostly men, to be honest, who, who founded and constructed this country and, 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 and made its commitments to a Judeo-Christian uh, ethic of liberty, we are trying to, quote, liberate ourselves from them and move into this new order that actually involves the heavy uh, control and directional vision of the government, which was never part of the vision of the West to, to be underneath the hand and vision of the government. But this, the, but the liberal tends to be somebody who modifies and liberates its people. I, 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 like, again, if we were just talking about a leader reformer, this statement's true. There, there's no, there's no, like you and I attempt to move society every day. We attempt to modify its institutions. We attempt to liberate its citizens. Anybody who has an opinion about anything and who is attempting to give it leadership modifies these things. The question it comes back to again, towards what? And so even when, maybe I'm pushing back on you a little bit on this one, Tim, in the sense that we Christians just haven't owned the fact that we attempt to influence government policy individuals every single day. And if we're not, then we're not fulfilling right. God's mandate yep. in order to bring forth the word of God into the world. Okay. But what you're getting at here is that again, in the context of what he's saying, it's you're doing it for the sake of change itself. Right. You're not changing it for the sake of a moral foundation, for the sake of a the uh, of actually defining and moving towards freedom. Freedom is changing. So, like you said, are we free to by this paradigm, are we free to protect or conserve that which is working? And the answer would right. be no. Now, I like the quote that you brought out of the book right below because I think you've you've done your research on this and and here's where you Here's where we get our answer. When we're talking about the direction, hmm. why is the direction going to ever changing? It's because you've, you've summarized it in our notes and I, I want you to kind of lay out the quote for everybody, but his ultimate authority is found in man and not God. Right. Guess who changes? Yeah. Men change. Like a little bit, <laughs> just a little, just like maybe a little bit every nanosecond. Yeah. So and the second unchanging. Yeah. God is unchanging. Right. So, so this is where, and this go. is where we've, we want to bring our audience along and we're going to try to shoot this through this. Um, cause there, there's a lot to tackle here and, and, and there's a full picture here that we want to bring. So ultimate authority, this is his second premise. I'm only bringing you two right now. There's many others, but there's only two that I want to bring you today. The first is that the, that the preeminent fruit of liberty is change for its own sake. The second is that ultimate authority is invested or vested in man, not God. Quote, I had always been taught that authority came from God. No kidding. 
But I had to reconcile this authority with the freedom of the individual that I so strongly believed in. Uh, I started from the principle that no one knew what was good for me better than I. Oh, dear. Uh, Therefore, authority comes from the people that sat well with my own feelings of independence. So for, for Pierre-Elliott Trudeau, the ultimate test of authority is the will of the people and the desires of the people and the, apparently the feelings of the people. So again, I, I want to help our listeners to listen really carefully to this because this is exactly what happens when a politician is speaking. So first of all, I had to reconcile this authority with the freedom of the individual. Folks, when you reconcile something, um, let's say you reconcile a transaction. That means Tim says, Mike, for that lemon juice that you borrowed out of the trailer, because Tim and I are living out of trailers this summer, um, and we'll explain maybe in the next episode. But um, that lemon juice costs you five bucks. To reconcile that moment, I give him what is needed to bring his premise and my premise, the fact that I needed it, to agreement, okay? But what Mr. Trudeau meant to say was, I had to cancel this authority with the freedom of the individual that I so strongly believed in. He didn't reconcile anything. He ignored God's authority. Right. In order to replace it. Right. There's no reconciliation. No. One squashed the other ideologically. Absolutely. And one eliminated the other. Right. This is, again, why liberals have such a very hard time understanding what truth and reconciliation really is. (laughs) Because they have no concept. Reconciliation in their minds is having one person have their way while everybody else just puts up with it hmm. rather than a true wow. historical logical understanding of reconciliation. So just listen hard, but going to the next point, Tim, I just want to read a few scriptures for everybody. Hmm. Okay. Psalm 14, the fool says in his art, there is no God. Listen to what the scriptures say about that individual. They are corrupt and their deeds are vile and there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. All have together become corrupt, and there is no one who does good, not even one. This is where Paul quotes from in in Romans Romans chapter 3 in order to lay out the argument that we all need Christ. And the reason why I'm bringing it up here is... So first of all, uh, I'll just gonna I'm shooting from the from the hip here, which is um, what you do so well. My grandfather was on his deathbed, and the man beside him, and he evan- tried to evangelize the man beside him. I'm, if if you're close to me, you will know known this story. My grandfather, in in his Baker way, said, "Hey man, do you believe in God?" And the guy said, "No, I don't believe in God." My grandfather quoted Psalm 14 and said, Mm -hmm. the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So folks, according to a scriptural worldview, and and we're going to get to the second part of this. According to the scriptural worldview, this is Pierre Elliott Trudeau telling you that he's a fool Hmm. and that he is replaced foolishly. He is replaced. Now, why is it so foolish? It is because 
we also know from Proverbs chapter one that the fool despises um, discipline and rejects wisdom. And so, you know, discipline is where we're, where we're confronted. Like, hey, Mike, you ate a bag of chips. So to be disciplined would be to respond by going and being physically fit and then, and then carefully not eating another bag of chips today. It's my feelings are controlled and directed by an outside source of wisdom. An objective standard. But the fools despise wisdom and discipline. So I just want to, so, so two points. That was, the first point was, this is actually a very foolish statement. And people need to not uh, keep uh, just just throwing these uh, these ideas out or accepting these ideas without the weight of understanding how terribly foolish that idea right. is. Yeah. And then secondly, just to you know to summarize that or to or to, to to have an action point off of that is that not only is it a foolish statement, but Christians need to have the boldness to say that this is foolish. Hmm. It is a fool who walks around and tries to govern the country and deny the existence of God. There's no other category for that person. And we Christians have been so teetotaling, tippy-toe ballerina, metrosexual, white-shoed Nancys for the last 30 years because we don't want to just say what scripture says. We want to say, oh, he's well-dressed. He's, he's this, he's this. He's, oh, but he's doing this. And oh, but he's doing that. And we need to return to the concept of, look, I'm deeply concerned for my leader because he's just self-professing to be a fool. So, man, bro, we could almost move on here. I'm just going to make a brief comment and then we'll, we'll, we're going to move on to his ideals. Just so everybody knows, Tim is literally wearing white shoes right now. So that is uh, Mike is expressing that, his admiration and and um, appreciation for my a, new a footwear. Pure dig at Tim. Please don't email Liberty Coalition Canada if you're concerned about white shoe wearing. If you're 70 years and older, we know <laughs> you've given up on life. You no longer care about fashion. Those are black you're, sneakers, actually. Yeah, they, That's no, black. Definitely has black sneakers. That's right. But so many other seniors actually just walk around in white That's sneakers. So good. Tim and I will be there one day. Tim's already there. I'm right already now. there because I'm an old soul. Yeah. So. There's, there's a lot here. I'm going to try and say this in a, in a concise way, but the, the foolishness here that uh, Trudeau is expressing is that though he was taught that God was an authority, he perceived that man was free. And so for him, he assumed that the origin of that freedom was inward. That it was the it was the autonomy of the will. It was the reason of the mind that set people free and allowed them to live freely. Whereas, and we don't have time for this. We're, Mike and I are going to launch another podcast probably, uh, or at least uh, reconnect with our old Lion Sight podcast. We're going to talk about more theological matters. But suffice to say right now, and I'll defend this in another podcast, but there is no actual personal liberty without God. Uh, because if you have a materialist worldview that there is no God, all you have is, uh, is biological determinism. All right, so that there is only one direction, everything can go. Everything it, uh, it's it's predestination in the organic sense. So there actually is no freedom or cognition in any way that is independent of biology, apart from God, who gives a mind which is able to either obey or uh, disobey or rebel against God's law. So just from a philosophical standpoint, 
it's nonsense to say that these need to be reconciled because the ind- the the freedom of the individual actually derives from the existence and authority of God. Because when he creates his law, he gives it to man and he commands them to obey. Now, we know from scripture and from experience that man does not obey. Where does this come from? It comes from the liberty of and the independence of the will. The problem is we are actually slaves to our sin apart from God's liberation from sin. So you can see how liberals just shift all of these categories and they arrive at some counterfeit version of liberty that is totally alien. They've literally thought of it from their from the minds, from the footstool of their lounge. They've thought, oh, this is liberty. It's the freedom to do whatever I please apart from any transcendent authority. In essence, if you take these quotes together, what he's really saying is liberty is to change society, its institutions, and its citizens to do what is good for me because I know what's best. Exactly. And the problem with that is, and in case anybody didn't know this, just in case you hadn't put it together, when you have 35 million people living in a country, and that is everybody's concept of liberty, what you wind up with is chaos, hmm. which is where we're going and what we're getting. Tim, you, you keep bringing us the quotes. I really feel like that last section, I was on fire. You were mediocre on that one. So I'm I got to sure pick it up in the second half here. Okay. Time. Yep. Um, and again, that's just because I'm such a humble guy. That's right. And this is why I have you on the show. And pe- honestly, people love you. Um, your, oh, you, shut up. Your was, videos, your was, videos get more view than my, views than mine, and we all know it. V- and you keep telling people that I'm the smart one, and it's You nonsense. are the smart one, so okay. quiet. <laughs> I like it how you brought that up, though. Touche to you <laughs> for actually Well said. I okay. won't, you can't argue with the yeah. metrics. Um, so, friends, uh, share this video <laughs> while you're at it. Liberty Lounge with Tim Tice. So share it with all your friends. I do really appreciate it. You can't, uh, you can't argue with the biological determinism, which That's right. is basically that you are smarter than I am. So go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I do. Um, I, I honestly, and I just want to take a brief intermission to say, I appreciate the forum to be able to discuss larger ideas at length with people who care and listeners. If you care enough to get along this far with us, you are uh, champions in our books. Let's look at, those are his premises that Liberty's first fruit is changed. That authority is vested in man, not God, which as Mike pointed out is a foolish premise. And we want to move on to his ideals. What were his ideals? Pragmatism and balance. Those are the two that I want to bring out for our listeners today. Pragmatism. Pragmatism. Uh, Mike, you correct me if I'm wrong. You can jump in here, but pragmatism is the view that whatever works is best. You, you probably have a sharper definition than that. Maybe you want to modify that, but pragmatism essentially the, the ends justify the means. So right. if, if my perceived end uh, is good, is good enough. Yep. Then I will, I'm justified. Yeah. I will adapt the means by which I bring that about. Perfect. My ethical standards will fluctuate based upon me getting to a better end. So this is where Trudeau actually takes his philosophy into a more dangerous, I would say, and more threatening realm. Um, He says, basically that an idea is only valuable insofar as it combats quote tyranny. So listen to this. The best ideologies having arisen at specific times to combat given abuses 
become the worst if they survive the needs which gave them birth. When a reform starts to be universally popular, it is more than likely that it has already become reactionary and free men must then oppose it. If you need to hear that again, just rewind and say it again. I'm not going to read it again, but essentially this ties back with his idea that change is the ultimate fruit of liberty. In other words, so if an idea persists long enough to outlast whatever gave rise to its birth, then it must therefore also be toppled by free men. Uh, Mike, walk me through your reaction to that. I saw your face just, just absolutely contort there as I finished that quote. Yeah. So everybody, because we're in the same room, we decided not to video today and uh <laughs> it's again our trailer park lives right now so um i did react to that statement here's what i honestly thought I, I again every every paragraph has elements of truth in it right in so like i thought of unions to be honest with you when hmm. i read this like yeah um but again, it's a it, it's a conflict of categories. The best ideologies, right? Like it's a conflict of categories. Right. If he had said the best organizations or the best policies or the best policies having arisen at yes. specific times to combat given abuses become the worst if they survive the needs which gave them birth. Like yes, it it's very normal for a government to grow far beyond its original uses. Because governments, that's what they do. They get bigger and more abusive and more, which again, I, but, but because he has come, he's confused his categories again, he's talking about changing away from ideologies, which in essence, if, if you're putting this within a historical context and the sexual revolution, I would suggest that probably without even reading very much more, the ideology that he has in the background of his mind would be Christianity. So here he is critiquing ideologies and saying they need to change when again, it's more, uh, the, it's more the, uh, a different category. And, and then again, this last sentence, you know, when a form starts to be universally popular is more than likely it's already become reactionary. Um, when he's already admitted that he has no metric and then the free, yeah. So, so rather uh, uh, other than change, well, so yeah, right. So the the free man opposes something that's popular, right? Okay, well, you know, I, I kind of wish his son had felt that way when it came to the last two years of like globalist oppression. So I again, I just think it's absurd. I don't think he really believes any of this. He had a ghostwriter write it. And it it's just the same old liberal gob. It's it's a total mishmash of categories, and it's almost unreadable as far as understanding. Like it, it's just okay. useless. Yeah. It, it, yep. So so and and I'll react in a way that maybe is more intellectual than it's just gobbledygook and unreadable. Uh, yeah. Just just to fulfill if my. If I overuse gobbledygook, I accept a, 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 a rebuke, a, a philosophical rebuke for that, and and I go get your. You drink some ice. That's so I, I said, I, I labeled this as pragmatism. And that's the point that I want to make is that for him, governance and ideologies are only useful in as far as they achieve some preconceived end, which we already know comes from the vision of man, not God. So if man's vision of society can be achieved through a specific ideology, then the ideology is good. 
as opposed to where did we get the ideology where like on what principles is it grounded and is it a durable? has it been tested in history has this ideology persisted through time there is just none of that is of concern to pierre elliott, elliott trudeau his concern is has an idea been around long enough to become established and, and popular and if it has then it must be toppled so i don't even think that that falls in the category of pragmatism that falls in the category of absurdity sure because even the pragmatist would say like i want to make a widget i want to make it five hundred thousand times and i want to make it for the cheapest amount and sell it for the most nobody says when they've got that when they've got that system in place Nobody says, okay, we got to change the widget making now. Apparatus. Why? Yeah, right. Just because. It's no, it's not until the next guy comes along and says, you know, if you made the widget and you did this, 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 and this, um, it would make the widget better. Right. Or it would make you making the widget a better process. Like nobody changes for the sake of change other than ideologues who believe that ideologies just have to be discarded when they become popular. Well, that's exactly it. Which he says he what, would never actually believe because he wants his ideology to become popular and wants it to persist by the way. Yeah. He's only, this like, is the thing is historically, this is a good point actually, Mike is that historically speaking, he was coming to power at a time when there was a, in the words of Jacob Rayum, a bicultural Christian consensus. So when he talks about ideals becoming universally popular, he's only speaking about Christian ideals. And he's saying, I am the leader who is going to reform, liberalize, and modernize. And thus, as a true liberal, I'm going to overthrow the old ideas and I'm going to usher in a new. So this is the thing. When, when his ideals become popular, would he acknowledge that free men must oppose his vision of liberty? I don't think so. And this is what, again, th this fake view of liberty, which is if it has become universally popular, free men must then oppose it. That's literally the quote. Free men must oppose it. Huh? How about free men must think freely and decide whether or not something is of good and virtuous um, application to a society or whether or not it is destructive and prohibitive and uh, inhibiting to true human flourishing and productivity. But of course, he has no true vision of liberty. He has a vision of progress. So if something has become stagnant, if a society has reached some kind of status quo that seems to be working and men are not opposing it, he would say, oh, that's not a free society. Because well, men have chosen a good for themselves and they are choosing to conserve it. Tim, can you... Can you read the next sentence and instead of just giving it, giving me the mic back, you've done, I, I so appreciate your research on this. Can you read the next few sentences in response to what you just said yeah, there? Because yeah. he seems to like really go down a road on this anti-ideal ideology. Right, yeah. Like his anti-ideological commitment Yes. So, okay. And this stems out of his vision of the, the so-called free mind. And, and you'll see why he hates uh, a truly free mind. He, 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 he believes in restraints, but only deriving from his own intellect. And so his other ideal is so-called balance. It's just the, it's this vague nebulous vision of so-called balance. Yeah, he and just, by the way, George Lucas was about to write star Wars and everybody was smoking, whatever. And yeah, he just used the word, balance. just balance, just, just feng shui. Um, 
which by the way, has become an ideological commitment of most of Christianity in Canada. Yeah. Just balance. Yeah. As long as visions are balanced, it's just, I'm, I'm neither right nor left. How many articles have we seen? I'm neither right nor left. I'm too conservative for liberals and I'm too liberal for conservatives. It's a great point. And I just want people to slow down and listen to you on that because that's it. I I just want people don't miss what Tim just said there, folks. Buddhism. I was making a joke. Tim jumped on it. Buddhism, new age, spiritism has truly crept into the church in a very dangerous way. Go ahead. So balance is this ideal that he uh, asserted, quote, ideological systems are the true enemies of freedom. So there there are so many analogs to show the error in that, but let me finish the quote. Ideological systems are the true enemies of freedom. Accepted opinions are not only inhibiting to the mind, they contain the very source of error. He doesn't really elaborate on that, but of course he does. And it makes no political, sense. Political freedom finds its essential strength in a sense of here it is balance and proportion, balance and proportion for him. Political freedom is in striking a balance. So can I just say, and I'm going to steal from you because this is something that you would say. So you would say, okay, so we need to find an essential balance between murder and non-murder. Let's just strike a balance somewhere between, um, you know, between those two extremes. Let's strike a balance between being a crackhead and being drug free. I don't want to be extreme here because political freedom is in balance. We don't want to be extremely drug-free. We don't want to be extremely murder-free. We need to find a balance here. So that's the absurd logical conclusion. But of course, he would would be speaking in more nebulous terms. Mike, what's your reaction to that? Well, so first of all, let's stay in the category of ideological systems. So yes, um, you're you're right to go. Okay, in in any application, this extreme would maybe be nonsense the balance between pro being pro murder and anti murder i want to be somewhere in the middle but that is exactly what he's saying he's saying it in the world of ideology so this is what has led to secular pluralism where um i don't the the liberal should not be owned or controlled by one ideological system. The idea is to take all of the ideological systems. So Christianity, Islam, secularism, Buddhism, um, uh, Hinduism, all of the ideological systems of the citizenry. And the, the true liberal moderates all of those people by producing balance and proportion. So this is like the age old, our listeners are familiar with this now. It's a point that you have to walk or you should be singing a song. It should be like, Hey, there's no neutrality. Nobody comes to any conversation neutrally. When someone says balance and proportion, what they mean is their definitions of balance and proportion. And we, like Christian, like we've been utterly duped by this lie that there's some, this is again, everybody has to remember, like, this is where we're going. This is when, when you hear of Tim and I talk about elites, when you hear Tim and I talk about philosophical elites, it's because a philosophical elite like Trudeau sits back and says, Tim, you're the Christian. 
your ideological system is a true enemy of freedom. Hmm. Um, uh, Imad, your uh, Islam is an ideological true enemy. Your ideological system is a true enemy to freedom. Um, hardcore Marxist, your political system is a true enemy of freedom. I, I, the, the liberal elite will sit in judgment of all of your worldviews and I will bring balance and proportion. But then the dumb reporter- Outside of, outside of any ideological commitment. Right, because I've believed what the Western enlightenment, and again, what most Christians are duped by, this is why we had very little Christian response in the last two years. Honestly, we're all being confronted with it. I say this with all the love. Tim and I are, you know, we we did devotions before we did this because we don't want to always be, you know, we don't want to move into the hatred of our brother, even when we're confronting our brothers and sisters, but he's saying I neutrally will bring balance and proportion. I will judge it to all of these systems and everybody's been duped in it. And it takes the dumb reporter, which by the way, there are none any, like there are no, they're they're all paid off. So it takes the, the, the reporter to put up his hand and go, okay, that's great. I kind of want balance and proportion too. Um, where do you get your idea right. of balance and proportion? So that's the whole idea here is that his vision, and because, again, a, a true liberal, he is saying, is always seeking to liberalize its citizens. So when he says balance and proportion, you have to think in the context of the fact that he is saying, I am liberalizing you from, quote, extremism. Now, just to t- a hat yeah. tip here to, mar- to our conservative friends who have been called alt-right, far-right extremists in these last two years because all you insisted on was your freedom to go to church. All you insisted on was, I don't want to take a vaccine to keep my job. All you insisted on was continuing to live the way we have for the last six, 65 years in this country. Why do you say 65? I don't know. hundred and post-war. No, 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 Post, you're right. Post you're war. right. Post-war. You were right on your, we've been living in a heyday that we have not had to think about these things as in depth because we've come out of a second world war, which was a narrative about evil against good. Right. We've all assumed we agreed on Common what consensus. the word good is. Yes. So, so, so to finish very that well, thought, very well thought. So, I knew you had so a reason for it. For you all writers who have become the, 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 <laughs> The for you alt right and extreme right, and I've been called it, and I've tweeted saying you are it. I I am it. Um, your extremism is in violation to this very principle of balance and proportion because we've heard our leaders say yes, of course we respect the charter, but we have to balance that and with the needs of the community or or with public health. In other words, our absolute commitments are not absolute if they are found in in some form of extreme expression. And the vision of the progressive is to bring balance. So if your rights potentially spread a virus, then the progressive politician has to come along and say, let me bring balance here. In other words, you cannot leave your house. Out of a sense of balance, I'm going to tell you to stay home for the next three weeks. You're blowing. It's you're blowing my mind here, Tim. In the sense that, as as you've put this together, balance means my personal feeling and utter rejection of God, and the ever need for change. That is what we have seen, and 
when somebody simply says, I want to know what you actually mean by that. And I have ideas about life too. They get labeled all of the labels that you've had. So you, you have so clearly articulated that. Thank you for, Okay, you won the second round. Go ahead, third round. Okay, good. I'm up. Um, well, you're not up. We're even. Sure, right. Sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> I love it how you actually even just, don't I'm keeping my bite. own score. I'm keeping my own score here, Mike. <laughs> You've always been keeping your Personal own score, realization. This is his third ideal, and then we're going to move on to methods. And uh, this is a long podcast, but we really appreciate you staying with us. And this is going to transition well to should you leave Canada in our next episode, okay? So we want you to stick around for that. <laughs> Personal realization. And this is all building the foundation of, of, of how we're going to respond to Andrew DiBartolo, who we deeply respect and love, by the way, if you're listening, Andrew. Personal realization is what the third one of the third ideals that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau says, quote, the purpose of living in society is that every person may fulfill himself or herself as far as possible. A system that encourages such fulfillment in every human being. So this is again, his ideals. This is what society exists for. It's for everybody to find their personal fulfillment. And I'm going to set you up here, Mike, because I know where you're going with this. That he that he imagined personal fulfillment existing in some rational and partially Christian consensus where personal realization didn't become I identify as a cat. I don't think he envisioned that when he said personal fulfillment is the ultimate goal and good of society. Mike. This is where he's right. Except for what you just said. Again, he doesn't define the word fulfillment. So this is where the rule of law comes in, folks. Fulfillment is, this is where the fundamental freedoms come in. So if he had have said the purpose of living in a society is that every person may fulfill him or herself according to the fundamental freedoms and restrained by common law, then he could finish by saying a system that encouraged such fulfillment is in every way human being. But you're absolutely right that what he means by fulfillment is more of the psychobabble coming out of the romanticism, coming out of the um, I feel, therefore I am, mm-hmm. right? We, we have Descartes who says, I think, therefore I am. And then we have the we have the other uh, romantic philosophers who really bring about this idea that, you know, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who comes out and says, I, I feel, therefore I am. He, he didn't say that, but you can summarize a lot sure. of his work in that. He, I think, is actually saying whatever you feel be fulfilled. Yep. I don't think he could have imagined the absurdity to which human beings would take that within the lifespan of his own son exactly. becoming the prime minister and of you, his can't and you look country. at the foundation he laid by saying all authority is vested in man <laughs> not god bless you sorry brother i have uh, covid and uh it's too bad that we're not self-isolating i think we oh, are now. i, I wish I, I had my ninth booster <laughs> um he laid the foundation by saying authority is vested in man, not God. So when you look at the transgender movement, and I'll just say this as sort of an exemplar of what, of the problem with this philosophy is that man has become the, the authority. So when God creates your body with a certain set of biological, uh, irreducible realities, 
man has the authority, the authority to override that. And as long as you can pay a doctor enough with a scalpel, you can mutilate yourself to look like, and to impersonate the opposite gender, if you like. And, and, and here's, so this is, this is the logical fruition of where he, his philosophy takes you, but he didn't imagine that society would ever transgress those boundaries. He thought, well, people generally understand the, the, the moral values of, you know, man and woman and, and life and liberty and death and, and all those things. But he and, and, and I'm so going to bring in this other quote to, to, to kind of bring this to fruition. He says, the only good action of real moral value is a voluntary action chosen by the enlightened thinker thinking of the person who performs it. So for him, morality derives from autonomy. And particularly, I, I want to, I want you to jump in on this, Tim. I want you to keep going with your thought. I don't want to, I don't, I am interrupting, but I want you to continue in thought. Sure. He, it also drives from an, an enlightened thinker. So what does he mean right. by enlightened thinking? A liberated thinking. So that exactly. An enlightened thinker is one who is cast, who has an enlightened thinker is a liberal in his definition who has cast off the restraints of the past. Okay. I, I, I would so like who to is add un, who is unrestrained by any ideological commitment or unrestrained by any consensus vision for life. So I, I would suggest that he's pitting the Christian worldview against enlightenment thinkers who were secularists and rationalists here. So I, I would think that it would be both the progressive mind, as you've just mentioned, but, a, but even Trudeau here is expecting a mind that can reason, right? Not just a mind that can capitulate stupidity, but a mind that actually reasons. So again, folks, you got to remember, he's embedding his authority in feelings. Then he's embedding his authority in reasonable thinking. And that's where, that's where it, it gets confusing because those two things are often at odds. Just so everybody knows, uh, the word exemplar means a person or thing serving as a typical example or appropriate model. Just so you know, Tim used a big word, exemplar. It, I, I needed to look it up. It means like a, like a primary example. Right. Um, and, and the other thing that I want to say that he couldn't envision. Am I having too as much you, fun? As you, uh, it's your show. You he's, can kick me off. He's doing bicep curls with a dictionary right now, just for those who can't see. Um, <laughs> What Pierre Trudeau could not envision, and this is why we need to critique things and bring to bear the wisdom of God, which is unchanging, because what Pierre failed to acknowledge, what he failed to budget for was the change and the depravity of mankind because he rejected God's revelation. So what he was not able to imagine was that per, sorry, was the, was my pronunciation, what he was not able to imagine was was that pure personal fulfillment could in and of itself constitute a tyrannical order. And what I mean by that, who would Pierre, who fancied himself a champion of Liberty, what he could not foresee or did not foresee or refuse to acknowledge was that pure personal fulfillment could constitute a tyrannical, a tyrannical order. And what I mean by that is when the very ideals and presence or existence of contrary thinking is allowed to exist in a society that people could judge that an inhibition to their expression, their personal expression. So in other words, if you stand up and say, 
reinventing your gender is a bad idea and it does not constitute reality, though that is covered by uh, protected by free speech. In Pierre Elliott Trudeau's world, pure f- personal fulfillment must be free from the ideas that contradict it, which is why now we have his son passing hate speech laws and online censorship laws and C4, which bans the um, the speech that would call people back to gender conformity to biological sex. This is the fr- this is the natural fruition of Pierre's tr- of Pierre's world. Though he didn't see it going this far, it is the natural extension of what he envisioned Canada to be, which is a world free from the presence of any contrary ideas to ultimate personal fulfillment, regardless of how absurd it would become. I think this is a very, I think this is a very deep point. I'm I'm thankful that you've made it, Tim. I I want to land on the first part of that point that you just made, and the fact that he was not able to imagine that this pure personal fulfillment drive would could actually become a tyrannical order in and of itself. Haven't we've said so many times over the last two years? I couldn't believe how religiously um, compelled, how, um, you're going to help me describe this, Tim, what is it like when someone, elation is the word I'm looking for, never in my mind could I ever imagined that a pastor going and getting a private shot in the arm would have led to the religious elation, almost mm. as if I had fulfilled the commands of God. Yes. Nom, som, nyo, 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 nyo. And here's my vaccine. Here's my vaccine passport. Everybody look at me. I fulfilled my religious commitment. Like, yes. Like it, 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 secular hedonism along with just kowtowing to the state mob has become, as you've said here, a a tyrannical order. And you got to remember, Pierre Trudeau would have said, no, 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 no. Those, those people would be medical zealots. No, no, no. The liberal is going to be the balanced, proportionate moderator. And he couldn't, as you've meant, this is a great point. He couldn't imagine that the secular neutral would turn into a tyrant themselves. Now, first of all, the fact that he couldn't imagine that is kind of silly because we've seen this happen with statism in the past. But this is such a powerful statement, folks. When you see all of this religious fervor over things that you would consider to be mundane. I I signed a rive can. I'm a good like the amount of religious elation that people are feeling. It's like this is what was going on when I was a kid. I don't know if you would ever go to a rock concert and people would say, "Oh, man, it was like a religious experience." And you put up your hand and said, no, it wasn't a religious experience. It had nothing to do with religion. It was rock and roll and it was a fun time. You are confusing your elation with a joyful experience or or something you're proud of with actually fulfilling the duties of God. 
And so I think that he could not imagine this. And I agree with your point. I, I just, I really appreciate that. This is why folks, so many rationalists, so many Christians who would say, but God gave us a brain, right? That they, 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 we, we have subtly placed reason over faith time and time again for the last 30 or 40 years. Right. And that is why so many Christians were duped because they're, they're actually acting like Pierre Trudeau in the idea that they couldn't imagine that someone would be thinking about getting a vaccination like fulfilling a law of God. Right. And if I can just give a, another concrete example, you want to talk about personal fulfillment becoming a tyrannical order. I uh, just picked up on Twitter here a story about a biological male who is cleaning house in the LPGA qualifying rounds. He's smoking women, on, you know, from the tee box. Actually, it's kind of funny because golf is a very... Um, gendered sport you have uh you have men's tees and women's tees i just played on the weekend and you play from the blue or the white and they're different distances because men and women drive different distances so the, the, so now <clears throat> to to allow for this person's ultimate fulfillment this personal expression women now have to take second place on the podium the best woman in the world has to take second place on the podium to a delusional uh, man who wants to dress pretty so this is again the inconsistencies and the destruction of this worldview that is not anchored in the authority of God, that is not anchored in any metric of progress as any moral in any moral grounding is horrendous. And it's where we are in Canada. So <clears throat> I want to look uh, as we move on from his ideals to his methods, his methods were legal reform and his son is picking up that same sword. Uh, to to use the legal system and legal reform and parliamentary reform in order to achieve his utopian uh, nonsensical world. And he said, in order to, oh, again, he's reforming, he's modernizing, he's liberalizing institutions. He said, as a minister of justice, I had a hard time in cabinet when it came to reforming the laws about divorce, homosexuality, and abortion. By the way, nobody asked you to reform those laws. This is where the Christian needs to stand up and say, uh, hey, nobody asked you to do that. To the liberal who is introducing new fertilizer laws, we didn't ask you. To the liberal who's introducing new carbon taxes, we didn't ask you. To the liberal who is introducing you know, transgender allowance laws, we didn't ask you to reform um, the natural basis of reality. We didn't. But nonetheless, this is what a liberal fancies himself as, which is a savior. I thought it was important, quote, to distinguish between a sin and a crime. We were legislators, not priests or popes. We were legislators. Uh, we had to legislate for a pluralist society in which some belonged to other religions and some had no religion at all. Quote, any government that wants to innovate has to go against the current of previous times. Oh, put your uh, face in your palm right now. Any government that wants to innovate has to go against the current of previous times. This is the way individuals governments and countries progress talk about an open-ended statement there there is no end goal in mind there, there is no vision for a just society in mind here it is just if you want to progress you got to cut against the the notions of the of the previous uh, administration so man wow this is how pierre this is our, these are his methods to achieve his vision of liberty so you and I both feel compelled that our podcast is for people of faith to take 
to take these current issues and understand them according to scripture. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the major lies that has, I, I, again, the church, when someone said, I had a hard time in cabinet when it came to reforming laws about divorce, homosexual, and abortion, I thought it important to distinguish between sin and crime. Hmm. The entire church, all in one voice, should have said, but Mr. Prime Minister, 1 John 3, 4 says, everyone who sins breaks the law. Hmm. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Now, so we don't have time in this podcast to go into this, but let me just say that if you're an insider to our podcast, which means you've been following us, you understand a lot of the categories we're talking about, a lot of the things we've talked about, you will know that one of the major battles within the Christian church is the understanding that sin is lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Now, every evangelical is going to put up their hand and go, amen to 1 John 3, 4. We get it. Yeah, sin is lawlessness. And you go, okay, but wait a minute. We have prime ministers who want to distinguish between sin and crime and therefore redefine both of the terms. They want to redefine what sin is and they want to redefine what crime is. When scripture, both Old and New Testaments, defines sin as some element of lawlessness deserving of some category of punishment. This has been a dividing line. And so, Mm -hmm. Tim, I am so glad that you brought up legal reform because we have to tell everybody the Christian answer to this is Mr. Prime Minister, both to Trudeau Sr. and now Trudeau Jr., um, A legislature is not a priest or a pope in the fact that you're not teaching the doctrine of the word of God. You're a legislator. You're supposed to implement the teachings of the word of God. And one of the ways to implement those things is to understand that all sin is lawlessness. All Mm. sin is crime Mm. and deserving of some type of societal punishment. Now, again... Mm. We see this within the Old Testament, Tim, that not all laws are equal. That's another lie that even well, like or all sin is equal. All sin is equal. Yes. Yep. People say that all the time. Correct. It's, it's not a true statement. All Correct. sin is not equal. There is a vast difference between. There is a uh, value assigned to the to the uh, the one offended or the level to which one is offended. So lying. Bearing false witness in the Old Testament did not carry the same penalty as sodomy or fornication, or even take or different theft levels of lying. Sure, yeah. Saying if yeah. my if if you um if you have a wife who says, "Hey, do you really want to take the kids right now so I can go out grocery shopping?" and you look her in the eye and say, "I would love to take care of the four kids so you can go," and there's just a tinge in your heart where, oh, I'd like to do it. I want to help my wife out, but I don't kind of love it." Okay. There is a difference between that and you committing fraud where or we are walking testimony. outside of a grocery store and I yell at you and say, that guy stole a whole bunch of stuff sure. when you didn't actually do it. Yep. The slander against someone's character is another category. There yep. are different levels. So 
right here is a philosophical and theological error that he's making, which again, what does it actually, it just gives him the power to be an outsider and define these things for himself because right. all he would have to do is submit himself to the pastors and the word of God, you know, I dare say priests, uh, <laughs> And he would know what to do. So you've emphasized the last statement, which is we just have to progress against anything. Man, that first statement is an error of confusion. Friends, all sin is crime. Mm. Different crimes have different punishments. But before a legislature, their job is not to redefine what crime is. Their job is to enforce the clear teaching right. of what uh, British case, like the Hebraic law, then into British case law, actually says crime is. So the private sin, because that's what he's embedding there, right, is actually a private crime, and the public sin is a private, and that's why there's yeah. different levels. And that's actually that's how a Roe versus Wade was argued. The I think it's the Fourteenth Amendment argued a right to quote privacy which essentially argued that as long as you commit the murder privately, then it's legal. The government has no right to, in, to um, enforce justice or to prosecute the crime, which is a false premise because if you're committing murder, there is no right to private uh, crime. It also just denies the, the privacy of the other individual involved. In sure. The, the privacy of the baby. Yeah. So again, so this is the, the worldview that he's presenting here is I am the measure of all things. Yes. Um, and, and, and I essentially, my task is to reform and liberalize and modernize. Therefore I need to look at the criminal code as an outdated document that I need to upgrade, uh, which, and, and we're going to transition shortly here to this second topic of how Canada has changed so drastically, but essentially the criminal code has become an unstable code. The parliamentary law has become an unstable code in Canada because we have now accepted the premise of Pierre Elliott Trudeau that true liberty is the progress and the change of all things and all institutions and all worldviews for its own sake. So, his methods were legal reform. And as, as, as Christians, we actually have to affirm his acknowledgement that the law is one of the primary teachers of a society. The law, which is why Christians may, must never loosen their grip on the biblical law, that, the, that the, the public law is the teacher of all people. And this is why uh, the, the core of the Canadian dialogue is rotten. And when Christians come to, to these notions, we have no basis to stand on for the most part because we have no concept of the endurance of God's law, the enduring authority of God's law and the enduring applicability of God's law. And, and we've conceded the same premises that our most wicked leaders have, which is that we need to reform society in light of so-called pluralism. And boy, I can't wait till our listeners watch this new documentary when it comes out, because we deal with this idea of multiculturalism and plural, um, pluralism and law and a, and a transfer of ultimate authority, because this is what we have conceded as Canadians. So Christian, secular pluralism is what most Christians believe. And secular pluralism is this notion 
that there are really educated, uber reasonable, neutral people who are able to call all of the extremists in the other worldviews, including Christianity, back to a reasonable approach to life. Christian pluralism is not that. Christian pluralism is that the proclamation of the gospel, hand in hand with the promotion of biblical law lived out as we've seen through the centuries in different forms of case law, precedent setting law brings the most amount of freedom to a plurality of worldviews. It's more honest. And everybody, if you go, wait a minute, wait, you're just replacing, you're just replacing the authority of man for the authority of God. So that means you are trying to bring every Canadian under the authority of God. And you're saying that even Muslims and Hindus and secularists and everyone would live the most free life, but they have to live in a society that recognizes the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Then the answer is yes, this is what we're talking about. So when people accuse Tim and I of being Christian nationalists, it's, it's true by their attack. And what we're trying to explain to you all is the difference between Christian pluralism, which is you're not coercing people Correct. beyond their consciences to worship the God of the universe. Correct. But on the other hand, you're not saying that every idea that comes from every falsehood is equal with the others. Yes. And that's Christian where he, pluralism, yep. plur, <laughs> Christian parallelism, <laughs> no, uh, Christian pluralism retains the idea that is in our constitution that we recognize the supremacy of God and the rule yes. of law. And it allows the most freedom to, Be, uh, to a vast uh, variety yes. of individuals. Because under the, under the supremacy of God, men are permitted to say what they believe. They are permitted to broadcast and speak that which they believe and that which they are convinced of. Um, and this is the entire idea of the Areopagus that Paul addressed in Acts 17. He spoke up and he addressed and confronted the false ideologies of the day. Th this is Christian pluralism, which allows for the battle of ideas in the public square. And by the way, <clears throat> when, when Pierre Lita Trudeau says, well, we had to recognize that a lot of people have a lot of different religious convictions. If there is a religion whose conviction requires the slaughter of babies inside the womb for coat hangers to go up into the womb and dismember a baby, if that's your religion, you are not permitted to practice your religion in Canada. Full stop. Take a hike. Go practice your barbarianism on some desert island. No, no. Right? Be, be restrained. Be Be restrained accept the rule of law and don't commit murder. Right. So right. I, I know, you, I know you're so if, sarcastic, if, if you're, but I just don't want you to right, but actually if, tell someone to go commit murder on an island. No, correct. Well, that, but what I mean I, by that I, is I, your, your claim to religious liberty does not extend beyond the law as revealed by God. So we're going to, I think we're going to wrap it here, Mike, because uh, I, 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 I want to jump in on that before you wrap it up. Sure. Cause that's it. it yeah. It, People really, Tim, this is, I don't know whether we have to, you know, cut it back or whatever, but some of these last, last thoughts that we're having are very helpful for me. Everybody just needs to realize that 
when Trudeau says, I'm not a priest. Yes. What he's saying is, is I'm not a priest technically, hmm. but I want to be a priest in the public political sphere and yes. create a whole new set of rules. So right. when hmm. you're talking about the framework and where you're talking about even that last point that you were making about the rule of law says this, he's actually, guys, this, it all boils down to this, the authority of God and the public proclamation of the gospel and the whole counsel of God to apply, to define that which is criminal and that which is good or secular elites who think themselves neutral, who cannot see the religious fervor and tyranny that they will create, even though history declares it so obviously, that's it. That's your option. Christian, right. you go, you can't stop doing politics in the name of no one because then you join Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Think about that. Just call yourselves, instead of saying I'm a Christian, say I'm a Trididian. Okay? A Trididian. A Trididian. Because you're joining him saying that someone will sit reasonably behind and critique even the Christians. Mm. This is a point that cannot be overemphasized. Right. And it is the reason why we're no longer actually preaching the gospel. Because we don't have... When people don't understand what a crime is, they don't understand their need of repentance. Again, I right. bring you to First yes. John. First John, where we are told specifically... Any... Where we are told specifically, if we claim to be without sin, if, if, we, if we claim to say, I don't ever act as a criminal... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's where we're at. And that's exactly where Trudeau wanted to go. I'm not a priest, but I'm going to create my own priesthood politically. That eliminates any conviction of a crime or of a sin. Yeah, I just dropped the mic and you're going to finish off the show because it's your show. And Beautiful. I have rambled on too much. No, it's good. Uh, for those still with us, uh, thank you. We, we've been walking here through the political philosophy of Pierre Elliott Trudeau as a touchstone for a cultural revolution in Canada and what we really believe to be that which set off, uh, temporarily speaking, or temporally speaking, or earthly speaking, an irreversible sort of cultural change in this country. So that's what we're arguing is that w the views espoused here by this prime minister were inculcated into every prime minister thereafter. No prime minister came in after Pierre Elliott Trudeau and refuted or, or reversed the political philosophies espoused by him and his cabinet. And that's an essential thing to recognize is that we never recovered, politically speaking, and as we know, the, um, the political realm, the, the state, as scripture uh, describes, is given the sword for its enforcement of its ideals. So we have never reversed course on this coercive and influential institution the way it has turned from the authority of God, it has vested authority in man, it has committed itself to criminal reform in, in the sense of lightening or loosening penalties of those who commit crimes that we know that uh, we know that the liberals have lessened um, uh, second offense for for violent gun offenders in this nation, while at the same time banning more and more legal gun ownership. So we, so we do see a criminal reform. 
to achieve the ends of their utopian vision and their godless vision, their sort of man-centered uh, authority derived from within. This this is the fruit thereof. So so now it shouldn't be a surprise when we have premiers standing up and saying you have no right to visit your grandmother in hospital. You have no right to gather with your church family this Sunday. You have no right to visit your neighbor in the house next door. You have no right to go to work unless you take this treatment or, uh, you know, in these conditions. You have no right, in fact, to even leave this country or re-enter this country, but for these new, um, you know, so-called reasonable or balanced um, uh, policies. It shouldn't surprise us because it's the fruit of a godless worldview. And this is where I want to land is, our, our, our beloved listeners who have been with us for two years now as Liberty Coalition, uh, we don't want you, we don't want to deceive you in that there are some set of neutral conservative principles that we can all agree on and return to. We, we're con- going to continue to say that a return to liberty is a return to the liberty from sin. And sin is lawlessness. And if you want to look at your your leaders and say, look how lawless they're being, we would agree with you. And, and we would have to say together that a return and a reform and a renewal of this country is going to be a return to God's law and his righteousness. And so th- this sort of turn that we took in the late 60s has brought up a many, much fruit in Canada, so much to the point where actually a lot of um, people are making the hard decision actually to leave this country in light of the political and cultural climate that we're in. That is a topic for our next episode and I'm going to have Mike um, with me again to walk through those um, that very thorny subject and very uh, tender subject. Uh, we do love this country. I'm looking at right now on the beautiful Lake Ontario and uh, we do love this country. So we're going to talk about that in our next episode. Uh, Mike, thanks again for walking through these ideas uh, with me and uh, to our listeners. Thank you for dealing with this heavy and sort of dense subject matter, but we do believe that these are the this kind of analysis is what's going to help us move forward as Christians and as as patriotic Canadians who want to see a renewal of that which is good and truly liberal, yeah, small l liberal in this country. Um, and so for Mike, do you have any last thoughts, any last words before I, I think sign off? the next episode is going to be called the, the Full March to Authoritarianism hmm. or the Slow March. Yep. Um, the full slow march and um, Tim I thank you for all of your hard research and this has been a great episode uh, whether our listeners agree or not uh, please share <laughs> this episode so. because it's important work thanks for uh, digging into that book what's the book title that you uh, so again it's called the essential the essential Trudeau edited by Ron Graham and it, it's an actually an invaluable resource it's a small little almost a handbook that can fit in your back pocket no it's not that's Tim Tim's just lying because he reads big books and that's it's a moderately middle-sized book sure. for those of you who are normal readers and uh, so again I, we're gonna be I'm gonna be rebranding the Liberty Lounge sort of brand and setting it off on itself so look for that subscribe if you will and uh, i appreciate your support listeners we really appreciate you being along the the journey with us as we seek for liberty and the restoration of liberty in canada and we look forward to joining you next time on the liberty lounge with tim tyso godspeed